G'day fam, I'm Jen Tisu. And I'm Kyla Musselman. And together we are the ladies of Tits and Teeth Podcast. Now produced by TNT Productions. Oh yeah, we upgraded. <laughs> this podcast is for every theatre lover out there. We've got the juicy details and behind the scenes magic that goes into theatre creation. It's fascinating. This season we are bringing you something extra special. We're collaborating with the Canadian Guild of Stage Directors and Choreographers to bring you a series of eight episodes centred around assistant and associate directors directors and choreographers from some of the industry's best. As always, our vibe is all-inclusive, educational, and inspirational. So if that vibe's with you, then buckle up, legends, and away we go. Episode three. Here we are, legends. Episode three of this lecture series where we are bringing you info from the other side of the table. So this week's legendary lecturer is Julie Tomeno. Who is she? She's one of the country's leading director slash choreographers. Oh, so what's this week's topic, Kai? I mean, she might as well talk about one of the things she does best, being a director and choreographer. What that all entails, how do you do it all? It's so informative. It's so informative if you're at a, a director's level, if you're at a choreographer's level, if you're an actor in a show. It's so interesting. I love her so much. She's a great time. She's a self-proclaimed comedian. She says it in this episode <laughs> and I love it so much. She's funny. Take it away. <laughs> Julie Tomeno. Hey-o. Oh my gosh. Hmm. All right. We are diving right in today, peeps. So, of course, we have the incredible Julie Tomeno with us today. For those that don't know her, she is a theatre director, choreographer, educator. She's won Jesse Awards, Dora Awards, multiple Ovation and Broadway World Awards for her outstanding chore- choreography for her work in musical theatre. She's currently working on Margaritaville at Theatre Calgary with some of our AAP peeps right here. And she is one of Canada's most sought-after director and choreographers. She's worked at the Citadel, the Rev, the Capitol Theatre, the Cortland Rep, the Arts Club, you name it, she's done it. Uh, she loves the Blue Jays, eating Oreos, and she's always a great time. <laughs> and I can shoot a dart and hit a bullseye. I, I almost put it in there. <laughs> it happened. It happened, friends. Can it happened and Jen was witness to it. <laughs> Epic. Um, all right, Julie, let's dive right in. We are so thrilled for you to be here today. And we know that everyone's on the brink of exhaustion as well. So thank you for your time and energy. Um, Julie, tell us a little bit about your background first for anyone that didn't know you and speaking specifically how you have the skill set to navigate through both choreography and direction. Because our topic today is being a director and choreographer. Take it away, Julie. Okay, well, um, I started as a dancer. My mom owns a dance studio and did own a dance studio and does own a dance studio. Um, So I was born into the dance world. Um, At 16, I discovered musical theater sort of by way of community theater, um, which probably some of you also did. Um, And then I discovered, I I learned that uh, this could be a career path at 19 when I went to theater school. Um, I was I was around in the age of the dinosaurs, so there was no internet yet or no Google. And I found my school, theater school in a book. Um, and I sent away to like a bunch of different theater schools by way of calling them and mail. Um, it was very, very, a very different time. 
um, but whatever. Um, so I went to theater school and then I stayed, I went to theater school in New York and I stayed in New York for the next 10 plus years and was a performer. Um, I, I, I sort of didn't know for sure that I wanted to be a director or a choreographer at that point. Um, I, I am a very um, singular person, so singular focus on performing. And then as I was, I, I was, I became a Rockette and I was a Rockette for the six years, my last six years of performing. Um, and sort of around the last couple of years that I was performing as a Rockette, I was like, oh, like I like what she's doing, Linda Haberman, who is my director. I, I really liked that role suddenly. And I was starting to like observe that and think, oh, I think I would like that. Um, so I have a mentor who I'd worked with many times as a performer. His name is Brett Smock. He works at the Rev Theater Company. He's a, the artistic director of the Rev. And I, I was assisting him at that time, you know, a little bit like assistant choreographer sometimes, assisting in auditions, those kinds of things. And so when I decided to retire from performing, it was very, very clear for me, like I was done. Like it was the last, my last year of performing was actually 2011, but 2010 was my last year of performing as a Rockette. And I moved back to Vancouver and I was like, I'm gonna try to flip to the other side. So I stopped performing completely. I, I know that's not what, some of you want to do like some of you want to be a performer as well as a director or performers as well as a choreographer but i was very singular focused in all of the my things and so uh i i performed one more time because i reached out to my mentor and was like if you have any assisting work whatever and he was like yeah actually i can i can give you an assistant choreographer job on 42nd street but you also have to be in it and play phyllis and understudy Dorothy Brock, which I was way, I am way too young for, and also be the, the dance captain. And I was like, yes, I'll do it. And in that moment, um, I loved the rehearsal process. I loved assisting. I loved teaching the choreography. I loved the detail work of um, assisting and um, dance captaining. And once we opened the show, I was like, oh, I have to stay and perform this show now. And I have to understudy Dorothy. No, I don't want to do this. So I knew that was my going to be my last contract. Like I just lived it out as well as much as I could. And um, and then just was done, completely done after that. Um, in terms of switching to being becoming a choreographer, like I choreographed my first show also in 2011. It was a high school production of Little Shop of Horrors. And within the first month of, because you know, high school productions, you rehearse for like three months. Um, within the first month, I was like, oh, I actually wanna be a director. I actually wanna be a director. Like I just was observing what they were doing and observing what I was doing. And I like, I love choreography, but I was like, oh no, I wanna, I want the bigger picture. I like wanna like have a voice in the bigger picture and contribute to the bigger picture in a bigger way. Um, and so, um, so I observed from that moment, I started observing every single director I got a chance to work with, every single director I, I knew and asked to observe in a room. Um, and so through that, um, I feel like I got to where I am, but also I'm a director, I'm a choreographer, I'm an artist, I'm a teacher, I'm a dancer, I'm a performer, whatever. The biggest thing that I am is a storyteller. I'm a storyteller above all, like I would say storytelling is first. 
well, I, when I teach, I tell stories, I tell stories as a director, I tell stories as a choreographer, like I, storytelling is the most important thing to me. And um, because of that, even when I was choreographing a show, I always went to the story first. And through that storytelling, I was like, oh, the bigger picture of directing actually has a, a bigger impact on the story if you're in control of directing the show, basically. So I think that's how I got to this place. Does that make sense? Totally. I talked in a circle a little bit, but you know. <laughs> you nailed it, friend. Um, so do you have anything more to say about like how direction elevated your choreography and vice versa? Or, or do you think you're, you've got I think point? how direction elevated my choreography is when I finally became a director and like finally got to work with, collaborate with designers, you know, um, Jersey Boys, this last production of Jersey Boys that I directed at the Citadel, um, there was so many moments that I was like, oh, this could be so much better if we like did this lighting thing, or this could be so much better if the, the sound could pop here. Like, I, I'll, I'll t tell you about one transition that I did in Jersey Boys that I live for. Troy Goldthorpe knows because he was in that production. Um, there was, I don't know if any of you know the, the Jersey Boys, the, the show, but the transition within Began, this, the, it starts in a, um, it starts in a club and it moves into Jip's basement, which is like the big mafia heads basement. Um, and throughout that transition, uh, the first time I did it was just like logistics, like like a tape, move the table, move the chairs, blah, 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 move the people on stage. But then I was like, what's the storytelling of this moment? Okay, this moment is like a big tense moment for everybody on stage. And there's like a lot of tense movement. So, um, so I started choreographing tense movement and like then like choreographing like beautiful table moves and beautiful chair moves because that told the story as well. An explosion of like suddenly there was an explosion on stage and um, and then the lighting designer was like, well, I can do this and I can focus this. And actually on opening night, we we added a lighting cue that like just changed everything. Like it was just like that was the period at the end of the sentence that I didn't realize I needed until until Jareth Lee, who was the lighting designer on that production, actually suggested it. And it was like, oh yeah, that's that's perfect. That's that's the final moment of the story, the story that that we're telling here. And uh once we once we tried it a couple times, I was like, oh my God, this changes everything. So like my that's how my direction changed my or elevated my choreography. Um I would say uh I think in movement first. So always um i don't think in dance first i think in movement i think oh why why would this person be moving closer why would this person be moving far farther away how would this like how would this flow um of this scene actually go um and i don't even know that i consciously do it i just i think i like we I direct a scene, I let them organically like find it within themselves and I just feel it, you know, and I feel like, oh, they should be moving closer, or they should be moving further away, they should be passing by each other or whatever. And I think that comes from my choreography background. Does that make sense? Totally. It's so cool. Great. Um, do you do you recommend doing both jobs? I love doing both jobs. I actually really love doing both jobs. I have worked with a cho uh, choreographer once. Um, I would like to collaborate with a choreographer again, you know, I'm not against it. 
I do find it easier to be a director and choreographer, like where I, not where I'm the boss or where I can make all the decisions. It's not that where I just can answer my own questions. You know, I don't have to wait for a director to have thought about, have thought through this, or I don't have to wait for a choreographer to like come to me with ideas or whatever. Um, and I don't, I think it's, it's a lot more work to be a director and choreographer, but it's also a lot easier in a lot of ways. Wild. Hey, so can you give us a couple of like pros and cons about doing both in, in practice? Like what's the reality to expect from doing both jobs, even though it might think, sound fantastic. I think one of the biggest pros is I get to create the room environment that I want to create. Um, I can do that as a director without being the choreographer, um, but I can just work the way that I want to work. I always have an assistant or an associate as a director choreographer because it's just too much work for one person to do. Um, I would say one of the biggest pros is that I, I like to work in order. Like I like to um, stage the show from, from beginning to end. Sometimes that doesn't work out based on like something. Um, but most of the time I work from top to bottom and I do transitions within the rehearsal. So I don't have to go back and do transitions later because that just creates more flow. And uh, it just creates like everybody understands the show the first time that we do it. Nobody's confused. Nobody's like, where am I going? Like, yes, people are confused. Where am I going? What am I doing? Um, because it's just so big, you know, but um, most of the time, yeah, I love, to work in order. I also love to create the energy of the room and the space and like the way that I like to run a room, you know, like I love to run a very safe, open collaborative where everybody has a voice and everybody, I think feels, I hope feels safe to contribute. I also can steer it back and run the ship like when 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 it's like okay we're getting out of hand but i also love to run a hilariously fun room you know so i do feel like you can have so much fun while also being serious and rigorous about the work i really do i really think there's a a way you can be kind and rigorous at the same time so many people in in like our Zoom chat right now are just like profusely nodding their heads, right? Yeah. And we have been in those Julie Tomato rooms, which are exactly as you describe it, safe and collective Funny. and hilariously awesome. I'm a comedian. Um, yeah. So thank God you're here. Um, what what do you think? Do you have any? I mean, running the show from from start to finish is so helpful as the actor as well, so that we're not guessing where we are in the show. Do you have any other um, key points to balancing being both the director and choreographer effectively? Um, I think having a really great assistant is very, very important. Shout out to Natasha Strilchuk, who's assisting me right now. Um, but like, it's, it's really important because you, you, like, you are like yesterday alone, like I, it was like, Julie, 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 like so many people called my name in like the course of 30 seconds that I was like, I was turning around this way and turning around this way. And like, I want to be there for the cast. Like I need the cast to feel like I'm taking care of them. I also need to, to feel like the designers, um, feel like they have enough direction and enough guidance. Um, and enough, like, yeah, enough guidance and enough support. I also feel like 
the artistic director needs to feel like they can trust me. Um, there's a lot of, there, you're pulled in a lot of ways. Um, so you have to have a strong core and you have to have somebody beside you that like understands what the work and what your priorities are. And then so, do you have any practices when you are, this is, I'm going rogue, but like when you are pulled in a thousand different directions, do you have any practices for yourself to center yourself? I think, um, shout out to yoga with Greg. I like doing yoga. I haven't done yoga with Greg yet, but like I, I like yoga for myself. Um, all, not on, not a, actually on contract. Like I do it in between contracts. Um, and that centers me. And, um, when I get to this moment on contract, I just take a second in the morning. Like I wake up really early. So I have like at least two hours to myself without talking to anybody. Um, just to center and like focus and think about like, okay, what are the priorities? Who do I have to take care of? Like, and not take care of in a babysitting way. Like who do, who needs the care, you know? Um, and then I can carry on with like answering all the questions because I've taken care of myself. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. It's a big one. Um, okay. So then in, in practice, like how do you pitch yourself as a director or choreographer to a theater? How does that work? Well, you know, like I, I've always been like, I, I, I came up in New York City, like there is a hustle in New York City that is unlike any other. So when I went back to Vancouver, my hustle was, I think, scary for Vancouverites, actually, like people were like, what, you know, like, why are you reaching out to me? Why are you asking for things? And I'm just like, I'm just gonna just going to ask and I'm just going to say like I'm going to introduce myself as a choreographer or an emerging choreographer or whatever it was at the moment um and here's 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 a show I'm choreographing come see it like I, I'll get you a comp um and pitch myself like I, I would love to be a choreographer in your season or I would love to assist you or whatever the ask was I would just do it boldly and bluntly not not disrespectfully, um, but I would just ask, you know, I would just reach out and ask to assist directors. I would ask to observe directors. I would ask to like for theater companies to come see my work, for artistic directors to come see my work. And like at first, like in 2011, when I did that, I got, I would say 1% response, 1%. Now, what is it? 12 years later, I get 99% response. Like just because people know me now. They didn't know me back in the day. Um, and I think just over time, you, you, you build a reputation, you build your work, uh, your work, uh, body of work. And um, people just respond. They're like, oh, Julie's reaching out. Okay, I'll respond to her or whatever. And sometimes it takes, like, sometimes it takes a long time. Like I, I reached out to someone recently and I was like, oh, they didn't get back to me. They usually get back to me. Like I was like sort of going through it in my mind. And then they got back to me like six weeks later and we're like, I'm so sorry. I was so swamped, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay. That's like the artistic director's life, you know? So basically to answer the question of how I pitch myself as a director choreographer, I've been pitching myself as whatever I wanted at the time for a long, long time that in this moment, I actually think it was the hardest thing, the most difficult transition. No, not the most difficult. One of the, one of the more difficult things that I've had to do is convince people that I'm a director now because I was a choreographer for so long and I 
built up my choreography resume. And then I was like, oh, I actually want to be a director. Like I knew I wanted to be a director choreographer from my first gig, but I didn't tell people right away, you know? Um, I, I, yeah, like, I don't know. I told some people and I asked to be a assistant. I, I asked to, once I got a choreography job, also assistant direct, which didn't really go over well with most people, but like, whatever, you know, you gotta ask. Um, and, uh, uh, but that that took some time that took some time to like for people to trust that I actually was a director that I wasn't just a choreographer who wanted control I actually had a voice as a director and actually I think my choreography practice is much more entrenched in direction anyways you know I don't love I, I hate dance for dance actually like I I know directors that love dance for dance that I that I don't connect with because they love dance for dance and I'm like, why are we doing a fan kick right here, why are we doing a bat maw? why are we doing a hitch kick like unless you can tell me the storytelling of this moment and why we're doing it i'm not going to do it i'm just not you know. Um, so so that's that's been a challenge, but also like you know, like my my choreography practice was, was so entrenched in direction first like storytelling first narrative first that um yeah that i i think over time people understood that i could be both um and i have to thank daryl clorin and stafford arima because it wasn't that they just were like oh julie can direct like yeah here's this giant show with a million dollar budget that's not what happened what happened was i both i i had a successful newsies uh production as a director choreographer. I sent them both a pitch about Newsies. I was like, hey, what about Newsies for your show? I would love to do it with a, a professional cast and like less people, obviously. Um, but I think it would be, be a great show. And both of them got back to me with like a very kind rejection. And then I was like, okay, moving on. I sent them, but I sent them like pictures and reviews and like, like a big pitch, you know? And then, um, pandemic happened, obviously, and I directed a production of Spring Awakening at Sheridan College that was, I thought, very poetic and very artistic because we had to stage everything eight feet apart. Nobody could pass a prop to anybody else. So it was really, um, at first it was very scary to stage that production, but it ended up being a very um, beautiful experience. So, and it was fully filmed. So I was like, oh, this is an opportunity to send people my work. So I sent both Stafford and Daryl, who I have personal relationships with, um, my work, my, um, that, that show. Um, and they clearly both watched it because they both responded with like great work, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then like months went by and then, and I don't know that these things were, I don't know that they were, these were the seeds that I was planting. I don't know for sure that this is the path that they, that made their decision. But then uh, Safford reached out a couple months later and was like, I want you to direct our big musical in 2023. And, and then I think a month later, Daryl reached out and was like, Jersey Boys, what about Jersey Boys? And I was like, oh, cool, cool. Okay, this is the trees that are growing from the seeds that I've planted. And it's not that, anything was guaranteed nothing was guaranteed so cool. and it wasn't a direct path it wasn't like oh we want you to do spring awakening or oh oh yes newsies is a great show like let's do it next year it wasn't that you know it was just like me persistent being persistent about it and being 
respectful of like, I didn't reach out like every day. What about Newsies? What about Newsies? What about Newsies? It was just like over time, like you just allow, you know, room for growth. Yeah. And your work speaking for itself as well. I, you said to, to me something like years ago that I always keep with me and you, you were like, oh, just state your interest. And I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Just say what you want. <laughs> say what you want. Like, it's okay to say what you want. You know, it's like the worst thing that can happen is they can say no or they can not answer. I think the worst thing would be like questioning, like, do you really want that? Why do you want that? But like, I don't think anybody would do that you know um and the worst thing was they, they could say no thank thank you but no you know or not respond you're not going to die from challenges that. ourselves then like actually it's hard for us as humans to say the things out loud but just like clear clear is kind why, why don't i just say it out loud why don't i just and, <laughs> and i feel like saying things out loud like you don't have I don't think it's a good practice to tell every single person every single single thing that you want like you have to keep your dreams close to your heart. Um, but you can say them out loud to people that you trust um, and to people that could like contribute to um, giving you that dream or contribute to um, yeah giving you that dream. Um, but you just have to ask for what you want, because that sets the universe like I just. I, I'm a very spiritual person and like it sets the universe in motion and then it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get exactly what you want, but it's going to move the universe in whatever way that, you know, um, you'll get what you need out of it and you'll get, I don't know, you'll just, I don't know, you'll just get the thing that, um, what you want in, in the in the package that it comes in which you can't control the package that it comes in. Totally. Isn't that the, yeah, that's the, the other thing, right? Like yeah. ask for what you want, but then, you know, you but then release it, it. detach from the outcome. I like, okay, I'll, I'll interject with one thing. Um, this book, like my, so many people ask me about directing books and like, you know, I have recommendations of directing books, but the biggest directing book I've ever recommended is actually called seven laws for spiritual success by Deepak Chopra. It's a very thin, small book, um, and it doesn't have anything to do with directing actually, but it will help with anything that you want in life. It doesn't have to be career. What are some of those other ones that you you recommend? Oh, Katie Mitchell. It's written by Katie Mitchell. I think it's called The Directing Practice. The Directing Practice by Katie Mitchell. Got it. Great. Thanks, friends. See, it takes a village, doesn't it? (laughs) Thank God you're all here. Okay. Um, We're switching a little bit. Can you tell us, uh, as both a director and a choreographer, what's your process for finding the central premise for a show? Oh, okay. Um, So, like, a choreographer would never find the central premise of the show because, like, that would conflict with the overall vision, which has to come from the director. Um, At least in every, like, I I can't say that it it will always be this way, but like, I I do say that like, at one person or two people or the co-directors or however you're working, um, maybe if it's a collaborative process, a collaborative collective process, like maybe this is different. I haven't worked like that, Um, but somebody has to communicate the vision. Um, And sometimes, the associate or the choreographer or those people are contributing to the first initial conversation about this. But anyways, I'll say um, for me, what I've done in the past is 
Um, and does everybody understand what the central premise is? So it's like, I say it like a poetic statement of what the show is about. It's, it's sort of your thesis of what the show is about. So I read the script, obviously, and uh, I just think about like the themes and like what the show is like really about. And like, I don't read the script multiple times, though. I just read it once, allow it to sit with me and then really think about like, ah, th these are the themes that are emerging and like what's poetic and like just like write things down or whatever. And then I go for a walk. I actually go for like a giant walk in the trees, you know, because trees are my breath of life, like trees, like calm me trees, like just allow me to be myself i i'm an earth sign so maybe that's why i have no idea um but i just know that like going for a walk in the trees like a two three hour walk like a long long walk listening to the cast recording most of the time of the show that i'm doing um spring awakening was one that i was like oh this is going to be a poetic thing um so i read the script put my earbuds in listen to spring awakening for hours walked through the trees and came up with rocking the systems, rocking the systems basically was what it was about, you know, and that just allows everybody to be on the same page in a poetic way, like a heightened, like poetic way. Um, Margaritaville, like, I didn't even say it like this, but Margaritaville is very not poetic. It's a beach party romance, a beach party soap opera. It's just that, you know, because it's not a poetic high, high art show. It's just a beach party romance. Like it's that simple, you know, and you can't, I thought about it. I was like, how can we make this more artistic? And it's just like, you're, you're going against what it is. And that's, that's never a good thing unless you want to fully conceive a different show. And I don't think that's a good idea with this show specifically, um, with other shows. Yes, go for it. You know, but with this show, maybe somebody could find a really high concept version of the show. But like for me, Beach Party Romance said everything that I needed to say, everything that Calgary wants it to be and everything the cast could get behind very easily. You know, so that's what it was. You know, I don't know that I said the central premise of the show is Beach Party Romance, but I did say that those words on the first day. It's just something that everybody can hook into and latch onto and like just another way to say it is the spine of the story like Anne Hodges always says the spine of the story is blah 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 you know um there's many multiple ways that we can do this I learned central premise from Jill Kiley actually um recently like uh during the pandemic um when everybody was like trying to like figure out their lives and like what their purpose was at the at that point and like people were were dropping out of this business because they were like actually I don't really like it anymore I don't really need to do it so I'm going to do something else I was like nope this is reconfirms my commitment to this practice and this art form and this craft and I'm going to do everything I can to like just stay with it and stay in it and learn while I'm while I'm unemployed basically and uh so I took a couple workshops and one was a directing workshop with Jill Kylie does everybody know Jillian Kylie she is the most brilliant director I've never worked with her I've never worked with her. I would love to like even be a fly on the wall in the room that she runs because I just know that she runs a kind room and she is so, at least from my perspective, I know people have worked with her in here. Um, she's so brilliant, brilliant, brilliant brain. Um, and so I took this eight week workshop with her and she, she threw us all in the pool. She was like, okay, we're directing 
we're we're directing a production of metamorphosis at the stratford festival stage who wants to be the director who wants to be the associate director who wants to be the set de designer who wants to be the choreographer like it was like crazy um and we did crazy town and we just did it for ourselves like uh, it was just we met once a week it was a three-hour course and we just talked about our process but the first thing she said was you you need to find a central premise for the show and i was the, the associate director um we came up with the central premise together and I don't even remember what the central premise was, but like I, I was like, oh, this is such a good way to get everybody on board. And then everything filters through that, you know, like set design filters through that and lighting design filters through that and costume design set filters through that and choreography filters through that, like everything filters through the central premise. So, you know, like that's just a practice that I have as a director since working with Jill Kiley that I'm like. I did something like that before, but I didn't say it, I didn't know. I didn't know what I know knew until I knew it. So cool. Yeah. I think Jen Waldman does that as for for the actors as well inside it and and finding their central premise and making sure that it meets up with the director's central premise, which is yeah. Um, switching over, friend, to uh, assistants and associates. So yeah. What, what yes? What are some characteristics that you look for? Because everyone's going to be different. So what are some characteristics and skills that you look for in these positions? So Natasha has heard this like a hundred times now, but I'm just going to say it again. Um uh there i get a lot of um requests to assist you know like i i have since like way back in 2014 when i choreographed my first show like people were like can i assist you i'm like i don't even know what i'm doing yet so like yeah you can but like, i don't know what i'm doing um but uh and now i get like so many like on instagram on facebook on email text message like whatever you know and i i like I welcome them because I did the same thing. You know, Instagram is a little weird, but like if that's the only way that you can have access to the person, it isn't weird. It isn't actually weird at all. You know, um, so uh, so I applaud people for reaching out. Um, I try to respond to everybody, but I will not take on an assistant who's reached out once that I don't know um, because I don't know why they want it. You know, and I don't know them and I don't know how they work and I don't know their personality and I don't know their anything. Um, so I just I can't trust that I can lead the room that I want with um, a variable that I don't know. Um, I look for really hungry people, hungry, meaning persistent, want to assist and ask me twice or ask me three times. Um, doesn't mean that you need to send me an email every single day to ask to assist, but like over time, if you, if you send one, I see you're directing this and, um, I would love to be your assistant. Oh, I'm sorry. I already have an assistant or like that needs to be a local person or whatever. Oh, I see you're directing this. I would love to be your assistant. I love that. I love hungry people, you know, because that means they want it. That means they really want it. And they're willing to put themselves out there, be vulnerable. Um, and then I just watch, I like with Natasha, for example, if, if it's okay, if I can use you as an example, Natasha, like she asked me way back in the day, like when I was directing hair at Heart House, she was like, if you need an assistant, I would love to be your assistant. Um, and I think at that time I had Nathan Sartori already on it um, because he had just assisted me in Crazy For You at Sheridan College. And he was so good that I was like, oh, I want to work with him again, you know? So I was like, I'm sorry, we are, I already have an assistant, but I'll keep you in mind in the future. 
and then I watched her her like she she takes my class all the time and blah 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 and I I just watched her as a performer I watched her like Facebook and Instagram are great for like just watching careers you know and then I I saw that she was direct uh, assistant directing and I saw that she was assisting somebody else and I saw that she was dance captaining I was like oh she wants it she wants it so badly that she's willing to like persist 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 and like do this and like take the nose and take the rejections and I don't know what you do Natasha but like dust yourself off and like just get back in the ring you know so on Margaritaville I needed an assistant I reached out to Natasha she was available and this is match made in heaven basically awesome but like this is like years like I directed I directed Heart House in 2018 going into into 2019 it's 2023 you know it does take time like same as I'm I was the mentee on Stafford Arima's production of Billy Elliot at Theatre Calgary in 2019 and I'm directing here in 2023 you know like it just takes time just takes time how good are those journeys though that's so awesome yeah they're Um, beautiful oh it's it's wicked can you give us some advice for assistants and associates I want to say one more thing about uh what I look for in an assistant like I look for an extension of myself you know, like you don't have to be exactly me, but you do have to be able to like have my temperament, have my sensibilities, have my, you know, like so that I know that like it's not going to like we're not going to have like a really hard energy in the room or like a not toxic, but tense energy in the room. Like I really like to create a safe like I say safe, but like it's more than safe. Like I really like to create a environment where everybody can do their best work because they feel completely supported and completely safe to like make mistakes and like fail big time and like happy people i i look for people that like can create rooms that are safe and happy and like positive and all of those things an extension of myself doesn't mean necessarily that you're exactly like me because i don't want that i want somebody to challenge me i want somebody to like ask the questions like stand up and be like that doesn't make sense I don't, I don't agree with that. Actually, you also have to be, you also have to know that like, sometimes I'm going to say, I, I, I understand that you don't agree, but I, I, I'm going this direction and not take it personally because somebody has to make the final decision. It's all falling. The responsibility is all falling on my shoulders. So I have to be the one to make the final decision. I hear everybody's voice. I don't always take my suggestion. Like I do something and I'm like, that's not good and then Michelle Ramsey the lighting designer says something and I'm like oh that's that's way better Natasha says something like you've contributed in so many big ways to this show like I'm like yeah do that like it's so much better than what I suggested with the bars things that we're just working on transition wise yesterday she just suggested like a different way to move the bar and I was like oh that's so much better like why don't we do that you know I don't know like I just look for somebody who's not a yes person necessarily who's not scared to like challenge me um but also who doesn't take things personally when i say no no i actually don't want it like that um but i also look for somebody who's organized and on top of it you know you don't have to be like you don't have to be like type a i'm very type a um you don't necessarily have to be type a but you you do have to stay with me and be with me you know okay so ask the question again 
No, you you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it, friend. That's so good and so specific. I mean, it's it's for us. It's it's interesting because yeah, everybody kind of is looking for something slightly different. So I think Michelle had suggested that we ask everyone that question, and yes, correct. So it's really helpful for us all. So thank you, Julie. Um, can you give us any advice for somebody looking to become a director and choreographer? I would say make sure that you know why you want it. Like make sure you know your why. Um, because when you're faced with rejection, which you will be throughout your entire career, like I still, to this day, like you're never going to get everything you want, you know, like I wanted things this year that I didn't get, you know, and I don't tell everybody about the things that I, I interviewed for, I, or that I wanted, or that I put my name forward for, and either didn't get an interview or didn't get I did interview and I didn't get it, you know, I don't tell everybody that because nope, nobody needs to know that. Like I tell my people um, so that I can have support, but I, I don't, I don't broadcast my entire life anywhere. Um, that's just me power to you. If you like to do that, like it's, I don't, I don't judge in, in any way. Um, but the way that I like my soul needs to be cared for is like, I don't need to tell everybody any, everything. Um, but I will say, um, you need to learn, you need to know your why so that you can get up and dust off and jump back in the ring every single time you get a no and you get a disappointment or you like see somebody else like moving up in the, in the ranks or whatever. And you're like, why is it not me? Why is it not my turn? I say like, when you see that you're like, oh, I'm just as good as them. I'm going to get there then, you know, like, it's not like they're going to get there and you're not going to get there. It's they're going to get there. They got there first, but that doesn't mean that you're not going to get there, you know? Um, so I think know your why you're never done learning. You know, I take every opportunity I can to learn from somebody I haven't learned from and like immerse yourself in all art. Like I go to the museums all the time, just because like something will strike me and like, I'll take a picture of something like, there was this one piece in Portugal, actually in a hotel that I was like, oh, this is such a cool piece. And it was a red umbrella in and amongst like so many white umbrellas. And I was just like, I took a picture of it. And it was just, it just inspired, you know, and I was like, oh, this is going to be used for something. And then I used it for like, a, not a, not a musical, but I used it for a, a piece I was doing in a um, college show. So, you know, like, and I didn't literally use a red umbrella and white umbrellas or anything like that. I just used that like story um, in, in a, in a inspiring way. Um, but I just think everything can contribute to your career. And actually, if you expand out of musical theater, if you're a musical theater person, if you expand out of theater, if you're a theater person, if you expand out of dance, if you're a dance person, like that actually contributes more to what you, to your practice and to making you have a more full practice. Um, how did you find your why? I don't know, I just sat with myself. You, I, I like to sit with myself when I'm struggling with an answer. Like I'm not like, a, I'm not a person who makes pros and cons lists. I'm not like a pros and cons and talk to people. I just like sit with it. Um, and I, I, don't I, know, I don't necessarily come to the conclusion in that moment. I sit with it for a while. I sit with the question. And I allow myself to be like, well, I don't know what the answer is actually. And then I go for a walk or like just carry on with my day, wash the dishes, have a shower. It's mostly in, in times when I'm not thinking like showering. I, I think all often people artists 
have uh, solved problems or come to conclusions in places like that, you know, like showers, washing dishes, anything mundane where your mind is like busy, but not thinking, you know, um, it's just, yeah, like I, I, I feel like, I feel like that's how I came to why I need to do this. It's like the conundrum of artists as well. Like we want to be so busy and we want to be so booked, but then like oh, yeah. our creativity comes from moments when we're not. <laughs> so, yeah, so. like like I have this entire summer off, which was by design, you know, because I've been really busy this 2023 and I have a very, very busy fall. Um, so I, I said to my agent, I was like, unless something really big comes up, like I just want the summer off. Like I have half of June and all of July and all of August. And I'm also really, really scared that I'm going to spiral into a place of anxiety and depression because I'm like, That's I have no work. I'm Every, so proud of you. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is growth. It's growth. Um, it's not what happened last year. I booked myself silly. Um, I had 12 days off in the course of four months. It was, it was, it was, it was a lot. Um, but but yeah, like I, I knew that I needed time and space, you know, after these big contracts to reflect and decompress and like learn something from them as opposed to like just keep going and like, like pile on and like be like, oh, I'm not learning anything. So I'm continuing to do the same things like you learn something from ev everything, like whether it's good or bad, you know, if you allow yourself to, time to learn it, you know wise words wise words really important side note can i be your canoeing partner for for the summer can kayaks I kayaks <laughs> i don't canoe oh okay all right now i got it all right i'll i'll bring um i'm gonna bring some some cider with us or something yes <laughs> yes i can de I, I will definitely kayak with you like okay. I, I need things like that i need activities i need i'll do yoga all summer like yoga in the park and things like that um but yeah, I'm looking forward to having a summer off and like having lunch with friends on patios, you know? Yeah. Imagine that. Imagine yeah. that. Wild. That's going to be great. Um, do, do you have anything, any other advice you want to leave us with? Any words of wisdom? Yeah. Like one thing that me and Ty were talking about before everybody entered this virtual room um, was transparency. And I'm a giant believer in transparency. And I say my, my, thing is transparency fosters trust. If people know why you're doing what you're doing, um, you just automatically have everybody on board, you know? And I learned that from working at Sheridan College so much. I've been a pretty um, consistent creative at Sheridan College for the last, I don't know, almost 10 years. And um, I, I think I have such success with the students there because I am transparent. I, I do tell them why I'm doing things. And I sometimes, tell them too much sometimes like and some some people are like why did you tell them that and i'm like i don't know because they deserve to know you know and they deserve to know the reasons for the decisions you know and you can't always tell everybody every reason for your decisions because you'll slow down the process but like if they need to know something if they need to know why we're running running this number for this 10th time in a row it's because of sound like then just tell us you know i just find that i was a performer that was very much told to shut up and do what what I t was told a lot, you know, because that was the toxic way of coming up in the world in the late 90s, early 2000s, and um, coming up in the industry, I should say, and uh, it's just not the way to move forward. Totally, totally. 
Totally. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for thinking about the actors as well. All of those <laughs> things so essential. That's why that's why you're so beloved, friend. All right. So the Julie Tomato wrap up. She is a storyteller first. She tries to create a safe and collaborative room. She said having an assistant and an amazing assistant or associate is essential. She said ask for what you want boldly, bluntly, and respectfully. She hates dance for dance. Let's get back to the story, friends. She said state your interest. And with that, these are the trees that are growing from the seeds that I planted. She said, ask for what you want. Find the spine of the story as a director and figure out your central premise, perhaps with the walk in the trees for assistants and associates. She's looking for hungry and interested people who want the work. Don't be afraid to challenge her. Don't be upset when she says no. Persist, dust yourself up, get back in the ring. As a director or choreographer, know your why and understand that you won't get everything that you want and know you're never done learning and transparency fosters trust. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Julie Tomato. I said a lot of good things, actually. <laughs> Like, oh, those are all wise things, actually. Always a breath of fresh air, so smart, honest, and always a bloody great time. That's our mate and fave director and choreographer, Julie Tomano. We love you, Julie. As always, friends, if you like what you heard here, don't forget to rate, review, follow, and share. You can find Julie on Insta at Julie Tomano. And of course, you can give us a follow at official CGDC, and you know where to find us, legends. We're on Insta at Tits and Teeth Podcast, and our website site is titsandteethpodcast.com. Whatever you're facing this week, legends, keep those tits up, those teeth out, and have a bloody great day.